everybody, and welcome to this episode of Turkish TV Time. Today we're talking about Midnight at Para Palace episode five, which was epic, and I loved it, and I'm so excited that Holly Bay is a hero, and um, I was right, so. <laughs> um, I am not drinking any tea, but I had some earlier, if that counts. I had tea while watching British George get foiled at every turn. <laughs> I, I uh, had a lot of tea throughout the day earlier, but yeah, at this point, I'm I'm done with the caffeine consumption for the day. <laughs> Classic. By the time we record. Sophia, do you have any tea? No, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Section completed. So. <laughs> Now uh, I'm going to take us through what happened in this episode. My notes are super long, so um, please feel free to tell me to shut up and move on. Okay, so we open on like a dream sequence, which is Layla imagining her perfect day with the family and Peride slash Esra is there. And then there's like a blurry male figure there also. And she's in her crappy, crappy cell uh, and she's not eating her meals. Then we have Ahmet and Layla just chatting about everything in their room. Reshat, as is his duty, it seems, shows up out of nowhere to be annoying and says that, why haven't you told me about it? I should be the one investigating Layla's kidnapping. God. And um, Ahmet's very smart in this moment and decides to use him to get to Dimitri. So he says, Dimitri's definitely the one that took Layla. I'm a witness and I'll go with you to go arrest him so he can get some info out of him. Then we see the military guys Ahmed sends after Dimitri and Ahmed goes into the house and literally just steals everything, including all of the keys. So I guess a win for Ahmed, but it felt a little evil to me, a little weird. Um, so Estra gets an idea from Ahmed's brilliant idea and says, I'm going to take George's most prized possession so he will give me Layla back. So she goes to see, is his name Osman, the brother? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. So she goes to see Osman and she says, I will give you the location of the munitions depot if you give me half of the weapons. And he agrees, but he says he'll give them, she can't come with them because she's a woman and he'll deliver them to her later, which seemed extremely unlikely to me, but she thinks it's a great idea. So there's a boxing match at the garden bar, which has been organized basically to keep everybody busy on that night. And Halit gets up and leaves very early on and Esra is there watching. So, of course, Halit goes and busts Osman at the Musician's Depot, finds him red-handed, so to speak, and um, they argue. Halit takes the gun, and then we kind of just cut away. So we don't know what happened. Uh, depends on whether you thought at this point that Halit was good or bad, what you thought happened. Then we see Esra and Ahmed, and Esra's freaking out because she lost both the guns and Layla, which, yeah, she's doing pretty badly. But then they have a really cute heart-to-heart, -heart, and they're really sweet as friends. They go to check the depot, and all the weapons are gone, and there's a giant blood smear. So that's, like, really concerning. And then, finally, the proof that I've been waiting for, we hear Holly tell George, oh, by the time I got there... The guard was dead and all the guns were gone, which is not true. So we know that Halit is on team good. So um, then we see George going full Bond villain with tea time for one. Actually, we could do English tea as another history section at some point. Um, English tea time. And he is meeting with Peride because he's curious why she was at a boxing match, which, yeah, it's kind of an odd place for a woman to be at this point in time. And Esra says, I have your weapons and let's trade for my daughter. 
But unfortunately, even though this seems like a great plan, George is completely unfazed and says, I don't care. And you need to invite Mustafa Kemal to the hotel tomorrow. So that's not great. But she gets an, Esther gets an idea from looking at an ad for cough relief. And she goes to Halit and says, um, basically, like, Layla needs this medicine every day and you need to get it to her with the idea that she can follow Halit to where they're keeping her. She follows him, but that's not where he goes. He goes to the docks and she finds all of the guns from the depot and she finds Halit is meeting with Javat Bey, who is one of Mustafa Kemal Ataturk's, um, like, lieutenants. We met him earlier in the episode. So even more proof, Halit is on Team Mustafa Kemal. And the weapons are going to be sent into Anatolia to aid in the rebellion. So Esra and Halit then have a heart-to-heart. And she's like, yo, why didn't you tell me? They realize they're both on the same side. And Halit says, don't worry. As long as I'm the assassin, Mustafa Kemal is going to be fine. You should invite him in order to save Layla. And he also kind of like explains away Osman and Fahretin that they were only concerned with money and so they weren't actually the good guys and they're being, or Osman is being taught a lesson in Anatolia and Fahretin deserved to die for selling them out to the British. Okay, sure. We'll talk about it. Uh, he doesn't, Holly doesn't know where Leila is being kept, but he's about to find out. So Esra does end up inviting Mustafa Kemal to the hotel for a ball tomorrow. Um, we see Ahmed still stumped by the keys. He goes to see Dimitri, who's in a cell, and Ahmed demands an answer from him in order to get him free. Um, we then see Halit sneaking into the place where Layla is being held, uh, pretending to be a British officer and bribing people. Then Dimitri and Ahmet are having a nice chat in front of a grave in a cemetery. So that's like always a good sign. And Dimitri tells Ahmet about the gateway of truth, which is what he calls the time travel anywhere you want tunnel thing, which is apparently a super bad idea because you go in and you come back either not at all or as like a super evil demon person. And... He, we also learned the keys are made from like dug up graves underneath the hotel construction site. So that's also very concerning. <laughs> this is like some kind of necromancy or something. And then Dimitri tries to strangle Ahmet. Of course he does. That's like his goal in life. And Ahmet stops him. We see Halit has set fire to literally everything in order to rescue Layla, which seems pretty risky. But then as they're escaping, somebody tries to stop them and the scene cuts out as Halit and the British officer are aiming guns at each other. We hear, hear a shot. So we assume that Halit has taken care of the problem, uh, but we will find out later he didn't take care of it completely. Um, Rashad is in the way again at the ball. Of course, he's just so freaking obnoxious and everybody's there. Ahmed's Dumbledore hand has returned, and we learn why quite soon. Um, Esra and Layla are reunited, and Esra makes a speech. George is, like, stunned slash thwarted, and um, Esra looks super smug, and so immediately Halid collapses, and we see a giant red stain on his shirt. He's been shot. And, uh-oh, that's the end of the episode. So now we're going to move on into the gossip slash banter slash spilling the non-existent tea section. Shall we start with Halit, our hero, triple agent? Yes. It's, ni it's nice to have that clarity now. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, so glad that he turned out to be good. Although I think that um, getting Layla back 
was like such an unnecessary risk to do before the assassination was planned like could we after that night or something afterwards but my mom was saying the same thing she was like okay it's one kid versus like the entire future of this country yeah (laughs) it's like true it feels like we're not even sure how she's related to you yeah so just like let her let her pay out for a second yeah (laughs) but Uh, yeah you know we gotta have the drama (laughs) um Reshat in this episode is so annoying so annoying he is peak Reshat yeah his true function is to just interrupt (laughs) show up where he's not wanted and be like super annoying when we need to get things done (laughs) I really don't understand I know this is not directly related but I just have to actually notice because he says this actually I forgot that he said it when he and George are talking it's like I think it's like within the first five or ten minutes of the episode um or maybe it's maybe it's after it might have been after the gun the gun theft um the weapons theft but anyway like George is like, like how can this happen and aren't you supposed to like know everything that's going on and like prevent something like this and uh Hadith says there uh I there maybe there's a mole maybe there's a mole who like got um you know got the information out and led to the theft um and like I didn't know this but my mom as we were watching immediately said in 1919 no one would use the word mole in English because that comes from a John Le Carre novel <laughs> oh my in the gosh. 70s <laughs> So the espionage term mole did not exist, fun fact, uh, until Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy came out in 1974. That's crazy. So, so that was a little bit of a minor gaffe uh, in the script. Uh, English espionage, English language espionage term for such a person would be a sleeper agent, which now means something different than it did back then. Right. Um, like back then it was it was the equivalent of a mole. And now, like, a sleeper agent is more like someone you place somewhere to be, like, activated remotely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, not active the entire time kind of thing, like, on uh, the Americans. But anyway, I thought that was an interesting thing. I never would have caught that at all. Um, but my mom happened to know this fun fact about uh, how spy terms have changed over the years. That is a fun <laughs> fact. Yeah. Right. She should yeah. listen to the podcast if she likes that kind of stuff the winds of change it's an incredible podcast she would love it is it a, is it about spies it's about, what's spies. It about nice it's about did the cia write a rock anthem that played a part in the fall of the soviet union oh okay this is really good okay okay i've yes i've i've heard of this now that you gave the the snap or maybe not the podcast but of the about the you know theory <laughs> yeah yeah it's super fun nice on the first watch through of this show, I 100% missed the little factoid that Dimitri shared about the keys being like derived from the graves under where the hotel was built. I, yeah, what? that's not good. <laughs> that's never good. So uh, that's also, him- was he the du- he was the guy who like went through the portal and came back all crazy and killed everybody, right? That's okay. Like, so that yeah, story? we need to talk about that because he was like talking about his mentor the whole time. Yeah. And then he, like, goes to strangle Ahmed, and I was like, oh, I guess he's the guy he was talking about? Yeah, because, like, why would his mentor have left, like, him alive, and then his mentor is dead? Like, his mentor should have killed him. doing a lot of muttering to himself, which is never a particularly good sign. Yeah. But I don't really understand how the keys can be, like, derived from graves, but it's fine. (laughs) I'm assuming it's, like, there was metal objects in the graves, and they robbed the graves. Okay. And there's some sort of ancient pagan magic uh, at work that's my guess nice <laughs> but did he end up killing dimitri or he was like i want to work together bro i don't think he killed him i think he incapacitated him i don't think they well maybe they didn't show it definitively but i i don't think that character is dead <laughs> yeah i, like I think they didn't dimitri show it scenes. they showed yeah. ahmed being like yo let's work together mm-hmm. which if he came back a demon and strangled his wife seems like maybe not the best choice yeah no 
I also don't really understand why he came back a demon. Like, did he see shit in the past that made him go crazy? Or does it just corrupt you? I don't get it. Oh, well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I it, so it seemed like it, like going through time made you a bad person in his mind, but unclear how that I feel like he's he was probably a bad person to start with I'm gonna yeah, go with too. that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't blame don't blame the ever-changing laws of physics on your on your immorality <laughs> right I felt like the Osman Holly resolution I I think they they were so focused on making sure that they kept the surprise of Halit's allegiance. Mm-hmm. I feel like we didn't get a good understanding of what was going on between those brothers. I think there's going to be more with Osman. Like, I don't, because like that wasn't, like you, to your point in the recap, it wasn't a convincing explanation of uh, what was the Fahritin and, and Osman's like yeah. involvement. Like, I mean, the explanation, like you said, was basically like they'll go to the highest bidder, but I feel like I recall more treachery than that being at play, but maybe I'm, maybe I just extrapolated it on my first watch through to like, oh, wow, they're so evil. They, they you know, would do anything for money and that's it. But I, I feel like Osman is up to more shenanigans potentially. So we'll okay. see, I guess. <laughs> no, it would be good if he was, because I, yeah. I wasn't satisfied with that. Conclusion. I don't think we're done with him. Yeah, definitely not done with George. Unfortunately for everyone, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Did you guys think that the "I have your weapons, you have my daughter, let's trade" thing was going to work? Because I hundred percent did, and then it didn't work at all. No, I I, I didn't think it was going to work. Although, well, actually, initially I did think it was going to work because where else are they going to get weapons from? And it was like quite a substantial amount. So I actually thought he was bluffing. Yeah, but she was like freaking out. Like she was not a cold, calm negotiator. She was like shaking and yeah, yeah. Even if he was bluffing, he would have won, I guess. I thought it wouldn't work because George's goal is to is to like have that have the assassination happen, and like he can delay getting his stockpile for a bit until he like ha- you know get gets uh Mustafa Kemal where he wants him to mm. assassinate him so I th- I still thought he had the upper hand I mean not like in terms of war because her having all of his weapons is definitely just like objectively an upper hand um but like emotionally over her I thought he still had it um and also, he probably, like, I figured he probably has enough agents, excuse me, to um, worm those weapons back at some point. So, again, it wasn't, like, super anxiety-inducing for him, which also is probably, yeah, it's probably why he didn't really care in the moments, because he just, like, he just wants his little takeover to start that night and he'll figure out like once he once he like does his once he does his big move which he views as basically a checkmate um like he i think he assumed he would be able to get whatever he wanted because he would have control so but yeah it was she was not do do a good job at the negotiating table either that didn't help her (laughs) i also thought that well, first of all, I love this episode and I thought it was perfect, but um, <laughs> no bias, but I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they needed to do more to establish Jevat's Bay as Mustafa Kemal's lieutenant before using him for the big reveal. Because like, if you weren't, if I wasn't paying attention as much as I do to like take notes, mm-hmm. I would not have known who that dude was. And then I wouldn't have understood that Halit was sending the weapons to the cause. But they showed Javat Bay in the other episode as well when like Mustafa Kemal had the Spanish flu. Yeah, they showed him. Yeah. Yeah. And they said his name, but... Yeah. You you think more? I need more. Or a very distinguishing (laughs) facial feature like a giant mustache or something. He has a mustache, doesn't he? He has a mustache, but like there's a lot 
a lot of mustaches going on. What, like a unibrow? Like, what do you, I don't know what else he could have. <laughs> yeah, a unibrow would be good. A funky colored jacket, something. <laughs> a pipe, maybe. Oh, yeah. He, he could look, he could just like dress like Sherlock Holmes or something. Yeah, that would be super helpful for me. <laughs> An arrow coming out of his hat. Like, yes. Jim <laughs> Okay, here's my big question from the episode. Did George put a second measure in in case Holly failed or turned on him? God. I feel like I, I truthfully don't remember. So this is truly like me guessing. I I think he's got bad vibes from like one the arsenal getting robbed and or I guess not even robbed because like are those even his weapons in the first place but anyway <laughs> his, his weapons getting taken from him um yeah bad vibes from that and like the whole like oh maybe there's a mole conversation with HUD it's like HUD was not convincing no, at all he looked no. super shady so if I were if I were evil an evil um whatever rank George's uh British officer I would absolutely have a plan b sniper in there somewhere yeah, yeah. and i mean I, I was kind of surprised when he just collapsed i don't know if i'm getting ahead of myself but i think that george had like bad vibes from him when he walked in the room and like he's just like expressionless and there's like something weird about his face mm-hmm he might have even gotten word about the like shootout. Uh, actually, no. He was surprised to see. He was surprised to see. Um, yeah. Um, Leila. So I don't think he would have gotten word of the shootout. But yeah, he definitely had bad vibes from from earlier too. Yeah, yeah he was wondering why he was hanging out with Peride so much too. Yeah. So is Holly going to die, and they have to redo this day, <laughs> or? I oh gosh yeah I don't know because he needs to live and fall in love with Sonia so that Ahmed because Dumbledore hand has returned yeah (laughs) yeah who knows um another question are we ever going to meet Peride's uncle because she's a lot of things in his name I was going to say like what a convenient time for him to just be on this long ass trip to Europe like She's uh, really leaning on that name a lot. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Also, like the family seems like so disdainful of like all things non super traditional to them, and then like like the dad is like ultimate macho like Turkish alpha male, and thinks like everything in Pera is immoral, but then like his brother yeah the daya is the in turkish is the the mom's um brother so his brother-in-law is like running this i guess deeply morally corrupt establishment (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if he's the brother of because one of his two wives has like a greek sounding accent when she speaks turkish i wonder if like he's he's that one's um brother i don't know the whole like multiple wives and like this uh, uh, never seen uncle are very confusing very confusing <laughs> and mm. by the way if sophia hadn't brought it up in the first episode i literally would still not know that there were two wives and two daughters <laughs> <laughs> completely oblivious to that also the other thing that has been coming to mind was the whole thing with um is Dimitri like oh we we spoke about it he's Greek right I, he's Greek I yeah he was Russian oh, again <laughs> Sonia's Russian Dimitri's Greek <laughs> yeah he he just I can I can tell that he has an accent yeah it's a very caricaturish accent but here we are with you know tur- uh, native Turkish speakers doing their best. <laughs> I really don't understand how we're going to get Sonia and Holly together. It seems like a real lost cause at this point. Yeah, even though I, like, know how it'll happen, I still don't believe it. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. 
<laughs> how are they gonna obviously how are they gonna do that again going to be with Carrie Day <laughs> if he lives I think you just have to tell them at this point like look we're from the future we fucked up but this guy's gonna disappear if y'all don't make a baby, which is make gonna be baby. him. <laughs> make a baby, put it on the bed. It's gonna <laughs> teleport to like 19 whatever. 1970, 1990, I don't know. <laughs> he also, um, Ahmed in this episode seemed to imply that his dad was completely out of the picture, but he was raised by his mom. I felt like he implied that. So that's concerning. Yeah, I think he thinks that Hajit is, yeah, bad. Yeah. But maybe just from a bad, you know, absent father standpoint, not from a, I don't necessarily know that he knows anything about the spy craft. Probably, I'm guessing not, but. He does now. Well, now he does, yeah, obviously. <laughs> And then I wanted to explain from a brief Google, or Ezgi, if you know more about this, please take over the um, Esra's speech saying that Mustafa Kemal was named the ninth army inspector. Did you understand what that meant? Oh, well, him him getting that promotion uh, just like really solidifies his position of power within the Ottoman army. And like, you know, he... Obviously, like he was, it was it was an open open secret that he he you know was not friendly to any foreign foreign presence in uh, what would become you know what he would establish as the Republic of Turkey at that point it was still the Ottoman Empire, but he wasn't at all friendly to these foreign powers when so much of the Ottoman government was like basically throwing themselves <laughs> in front of you know the again uh, in front of the foreign powers selling themselves to the highest bidder etc but he was like very much not so there was, it was like an open secret that like he would want a strong Turkish resistance to that um informed by nationalism etc so him getting a promotion despite like probably a lot of internal objections. I'm not like 100% sure on that history, but I would assume a lot of internal objections to that, even within the, the army, he still got that promotion. And that would, um, I think like Istanbul would have been within his jurisdiction as well, like with, with that, in that role. So that's why I was saying like, Oh, isn't it good news that because when it was still a rumor at the start of the episode, when he was talking to George and George was like very unhappy about it. Um, Hadith's like response was like, well, like, that means he'll just come to Istanbul as part of that job. Isn't that a good thing? Because then you can assassinate him like you want to. Um, so anyway, he gets that power. He has like a lot more authority um, and it's kind of like legitimized by the very weak state, but the state nonetheless. And, you know, he's going to, again, use that as as a as a starting point point to um on the 19th of may going to samsung and um announcing essentially the start of the uh what would be called later the war for independence um and the first again the very first kind of heartbeat of the republic of turkey so it was i i wouldn't necessarily like i would call the trip to samsung like the big moment but i guess this is like the big moment before that moment <laughs> was his promotion <laughs> which you know happened only a, a few days before uh, or like I guess a few weeks before um, so I think I saw I was very dumb to like go on stage and make it seem like a big deal because at that point like okay yeah people in certain circles would certainly know that it was a big deal like George knowing and like being unhappy makes sense but for her to like go up and make a speech about how the course of history was about to change is like you literally did this the first episode and <laughs> she the already got did you. this and it was yeah, a disaster like, like please stop <laughs> Like if I were Mustafa Kemal, like walking in and I heard that being said about me when things are so sensitive and tenuous at that moment, I'd be like, stop, get off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But she's doing it again from the first episode. What was I, what I was super annoyed about. Yeah. Or she can't like help spoiling it. History. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I think she's just making George angrier, honestly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, parading Layla in front of him at the party, like, there's no need to do that. Like, you could just have him find out later. 
she should have just played along. I don't mm-hmm. understand why she didn't play yeah. along. Yeah. Yeah. What then if he he's goes be and extra... tries to kill Ataturk right now? Yeah. Bad. Also, Bad. well, no, I guess I'll save this for the what the fuck section. <laughs> I wonder if Ataturk's going to even like walk in at this point. I'm not sure. I feel like he's not. I think he just I, yeah. said he was going to go and then didn't. Yeah. yeah when um, Jevate came in alone, I was like, oh, I guess he's yeah. not coming. Which is which is the smartest thing because, like, I mean, I just would have told Jayabate what the intention was. So now that yeah. the whole ransom situation's over and the guns are like theirs, like there's really no sense in prolonging the charade. Right. But yeah, Estra definitely jumped the gun a bit there by <laughs> yeah revealing her hand a hundred percent. But so something. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say these are the types of events that probably at that time nobody thought they were important. It's just in hindsight that you realize mm-hmm. that it was like a landmark. So it's just weird yeah. for someone at that time to be like this is a super important day. Like usually people who are living through those moments don't realize like yeah. It's like us in the pandemic we're like oh now we have to go home like whatever. It'll be a week. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you thought it would be a week, yeah. And then it wasn't a week. It was not. Yeah, that's very true. And I think at that moment, like, especially with, like, the crowd she was with, like, there's British people there, there's probably, like, Greek, etc. elites, like, other other nations represented. They're, like, that's not a good moment for them, and they're, like, not gonna be able to see what's going on at all clearly until like they're fully out on the other side of the war um because it's not like i mean it was it was a very hard fought uh war so anyway for her to like say it with absolute historical you know hindsight 2020 Fair. was pretty ridiculous yeah <laughs> but anyway <laughs> well probably those i mean some of those as we've mentioned in previous episodes they were all hoping to get a piece of the ottoman empire the former yeah so they don't want to hear that (laughs) yeah i uh, not no spoilers but i will say that the next few episodes of time traveling is just very distressing there's just like a lot in many directions and it's god well because this easily could have been an end of the season right because like the way everything kind of wraps up but then once Holly collapses, it's like, oh, right. more, sh- more shenanigans for the next yeah. two episodes. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it also goes to show like every time they think they've got something figured out or they have like an ally, it just all falls apart. Yeah, for sure. Also, like, why doesn't she get the little girl to safety? Like, she knows there's a plot. She knows that like people are, are going to be trying to kill Ataturk. Like, it would be good if you yeah, there's, there are, there's gonna be like bullets flying through that room potentially like <laughs> she's not uh, very good at the stepmother foster mother situation but then she she had like a giant crisis of faith as did ahmed like and then she just like continues to fuck it up she just needed to like get that out of her system the crisis of faith but as soon as it was over she was like okay great i've acknowledged it now i'm gonna not change my personality or behavior <laughs> But I also think a lot of like strings were pulled that the show's not going to be able to retake later. Like, you know, the hotel being burnt, uh, being built on like dead bodies. Like, what yeah, that's like that, definitely, matter, that, that definitely doesn't get brought up again because I missed it the <laughs> first time and like never heard, like it, if it came up a second time, I feel like I would have caught it one of the two times. But but I think they're gonna do a second season of this, so maybe they'll get more into the mythology potentially. IDK, maybe, probably not. <laughs> no, I think that was just one of the things they like threw out to make everything more creepy. But then it's not gonna have any. Resolution. I don't know that it. Yeah, I don't really know that it needs to have a resolution because I was like personally fine with the hotel just being magical and like that's yeah. just like a thing you assume and exactly. that's it. Like, yeah. So I think like that was just part of that it was like it's just magical. Here's like. A very vague explanation of why but we're not going to get into it because it doesn't really matter um i do think not to speak too soon but i do think they tie up the the very major the very major 
uh, threads in this show okay. in this season. Um, there, I can't remember. I think there was a cliffhanger at the end, leading into more action for season two. But um, I don't remember being mad at this show the way I was with like Atia. So fingers crossed. I don't have to redact the statement in a few episodes, but I think I think they, <laughs> I think they do a decent job. We'll let's see. <laughs> I mean, I'm really enjoying the show so far. Hopefully, it doesn't disappoint. <laughs> Only an Atia level ending would have me dislike the show overall at this point, and I don't think anything could the, be that. Bad. The the eye of Horus in like the last twenty minutes of the last yeah, episode. <laughs> Every time I encounter the eye of horse in like any other form now, like in in writing or in an article or something, that's that's all I can think about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> So now we are going to move on into the history section where we are talking about the sport of boxing. Wait, I did have one thing that I want to add before. Sorry. Okay, no worries. Which was, what do you think happened in the shootout? Like, because I'm surprised that he's so bloodied and has survived like, I don't know, six hours after that or two or three, I don't know, with a child. Was it just the adrenaline? I don't know. And then he's just, why didn't he like put something to take up the blood under his tux? I don't know. That was just he. He probably he probably did, and it bled through. Is my guess because that would like bleed through gauze eventually, mm. like a stomach wound. I don't. I don't know how much time has passed or like how far they were from the hotel. That that's definitely a good question. Um, but yeah, probably adrenaline and like incredible sense of duty. <laughs> <laughs> is what yeah. made him not keel over earlier crazy um yeah i don't know because we only heard one shot so does that mean that that person got away i don't know apparently but then the or, girl yeah. wouldn't be so like obviously she's traumatized but like she doesn't seem as traumatized as if she'd seen someone yeah she yeah. wanted cake like that's a good point she must not have he must not have let on to her that he got shot we shall see. She she asked her mom what like memory means, so she's not she does not seem aware of a lot of things. So maybe she didn't she was notice. pretty precocious in other areas, but uh... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't, oh, edit this part out, Sammy. But I will never get over how stupid Epic's son is in Karakarashk. He just like can barely talk, <laughs> and he's so useless. Oh my god! I there was an era in Turkish television of like I think they would just like bring the producer's kid or whatever yeah, to play yeah. like the child roles of like it was just these very untalented like barely able to speak toddlers not even toddlers like kids who definitely should be able to speak coherently just still couldn't um he's one of them but thankfully yeah, this little girl is very cute and talented so <laughs> nice to him it's really obnoxious it's really obnoxious oh, I'm like, eagle. Just... <laughs> yeah yeah I, oh my god yeah they went to the stadium under construction that was so stupid anyway <laughs> i hated okay. it uh sophia you need well actually don't watch it and we'll do it up for the show at some point we'll do okay, <laughs> okay uh, i'm like in a viking show loop so i'm watching a lot of viking shows and I have no- <laughs> oh wow there's multiple i didn't know there were so yeah, many yeah there's a ton oh, wow there's vikings then there's vikings valhalla which i haven't watched yet then there's the last King- like i guess they never taught me english history ever and i didn't mm. know that england was almost like overtaken by vikings at some point yeah at many yeah, points, like, actually. Yeah, like even like right before like the Norman conquest in 1066, there's like a giant ass Viking battle like a few weeks before <laughs> in the north. And that Ireland was... was like very much controlled by Vikings. Like that's a huge part of the history yeah. there too. And the Norman conquest was also a Viking conquest because they were descended. Yeah, from... yeah, okay, yeah, Vikings. yeah. That's right. Yeah. William yes. the Conqueror's ancestor was Rollo. Rollo. Yeah. Yes. Yes, Vikings. So wow. Should should we change this podcast to like <laughs> a Viking show podcast? <laughs> I'm, but like I'm watch like, it in Turkish. <laughs> I honestly like right. never knew any of this. I'm like very in shock about everything. Uh, yeah. 
everything you know is a lie. Everything everyone's a Viking. <laughs> well, yeah. Also, I mean, I did the only thing I learned about Vikings in school was like Vikings were made it to America before Christopher Columbus. Yeah. But then yeah. I don't know why they all died or left. They weren't interested in settling down and cotton farming. <laughs> I don't um, think they had cotton before Christopher Columbus. <laughs> yeah, they didn't go that far south also. They were in uh, Newfoundlandish. Yeah, in Newfoundland, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, I don't know if you all saw slash remembers this as well, but in Aya Sophia, there's a piece of like Viking graffiti like scratched into one of the like pillars at the in the top and like the balcony level or whatever it's called like the upper level there's like something that they realized i don't know some time ago like in the past few decades was actually like a viking rune scratched in like by a visiting like a tourist viking like centuries ago um which is crazy <laughs> so now it's like protected off with like a plastic covering because it's like however many hundreds of years old <laughs> Oh wow. That's really crazy. Yeah, um, yeah so they, they were even in a stubble. <laughs> yeah, well I, I in the show that I was watching, they went all the way down to like Tunisia. Mm-hmm. Um and now I, I I didn't know this is also other weird fun facts, but like Russia and, and Ukraine have like a, a fight over like their origin story because Probably the three both, brothers. They both claim it was from like the Kievan Rus, which was like mm -hmm. the some Vikings that made it to like the I mean Kiev, I guess it was, and they like started a civilization, and then Russia and Ukraine, and it's been used in the current invasion as like the Russians say that that's how they started, and the Ukrainians say that that's how they started. So there's like a fight. yeah 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 Russia doesn't see. Like, they think the Rus is, like, Russia, but yeah. Ukraine is, like, Rus is Ruthenia, which is the old name of Ukraine. So it's, like, yeah, they've both adapted that to their needs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I I read a pretty good history of Ukraine, like, a year ago. Um, I forget who it's by. It's, like, the I think it's called the Gates of Europe. Um, but that explained the mythology really well of the three brothers, like, yeah. Rus... Lech, who was like the Polish ancestor, and then I forget what the Ukrainian or what the third one is, but like one is like the ancestor of the Russians, one is the ancestor of the Ukrainians, one is the ancestor of the Poles, and it's like I don't know, it's like an origin story that's obviously not true, but it's like yeah. what the, this whole like yeah, like you said, the invasion propaganda from Russia is based on too. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we digress severely severely yeah okay so boxing yeah <laughs> so boxing as we know is a sport and it's based on people from similar weights having a fight with padded gloves and apparently there's a code that is called the marquis of queensberry rules that's kind of like the honor code in boxing um you and know they who the Marquess of Queensberry is also like what else he's famous for? No. He was the um father of one of Oscar Wilde's lovers who male lovers who led to Oscar Wilde getting thrown in prison for being gay. Oh. And so it's like the same, like the exact same guy. Like Marquess of Queensberry is obviously like a title, but it's like literally the same guy, the boxing guy and the guy who uh like essentially led to oscar wilde's imprisonment and death <laughs> so oh god piece of shit anyway <laughs> very sad um so apparently there are some rules to boxing which are like the size of the ring and you can't like hug the person and there's like a time for each round which is three minutes and there has to be a time between rounds um and like if so these are questions I always had about boxing because I've watched a lot of boxing movies, but I never knew what the rules were. So like if you fall to the ground, you need to have someone help. Like you you need to get up without help and you have 10 seconds to get up. If not, it's, I guess, a knockout. Um, Or no, not actually. If the man fails to come to the scratch in 10 seconds, in the 10 seconds, 
it shall be the power of the referee to give his award in favor of the other man. Yeah, so, I mean, too much detail for this history section. But basically, they're like the ground rules for boxing. And they were established um, in the late 1860s. So they're pretty recent. Um, so, like, the, I mean, a game happens between three and 12 rounds. And each round is three minutes, as we mentioned previously. And you win by outscoring the opponent. So you can, um, like, tally points differently. Or if you make a knockout, which is, like, I don't know what how it's exactly codified, but like when you knock out the other person and they're like, I guess I'm conscious, then you win. <laughs> so um, there's several ways to refer to boxing. So you can call it pugilism or price fighting. Um, and the, the first term comes from Latin because a pugil was a boxer. And then that comes from bugnus, which is fist which is then derived from Greek, apparently. And then prize fighting is how they started referring to boxing when it became something that you could make money off of, which was in England in the, in the 17th century. So um, it, it began to take a different form at that time, except um, this is a very, very old sport. It started, it, it appeared in the Olympics um, as early as 688 BCE. So... Um, it's pretty old, but it's expected that people started fighting as a sport way before. So there's there they've found Sumerian carvings that show that it started in the third millennium BCE. Um, and there's also a sculpture from Egypt, um, which I guess I mean, which is 1350 BCE, and it shows people boxing and other people watching. So it's definitely been a sport for a very, very, very long time, except in beforehand, it used to be bare fists um, and there was like some support for the wrist, but it was bare fists. Um, and then the earliest evidence of gloves was in in Minoan Crete. So in 50, 1500 BCE was when people started to have something to cover their hands. And the sport started having like explicit rules in ancient Greece um, where, you know, it wasn't as uh, structured as it is today. But like, for example, there were certain rules, like if you um, were defeated, you would hold up a finger and you could, I mean, there was a set of, of things and the fights took place during, you know, in, in the sunlight and outdoors. So that added definitely other issues like heat and like sunlight and how that affected the fight. And everyone came from a lot of different, like the, the boxers could come from different social classes. Um, but at the start, they, they came from really wealthy and distinguished families. Um, and so basically it was a, it was a very honorable sport. Um, but apparently it really, I mean, people who practice it got really hurt. So they were disfigured and died often. And this is even like written about in the Iliad. Um, there's like a boxing fight, boxing match that's described. Um, and apparently people wore sharp thongs to do to, to over their hands to cover the knuckles. Um, and, and they like, they, they would, cause extra pain with the during the sport and then apparently for practice you could use the padded gloves but when you actually fought you couldn't use padded blood gloves you had to use like your bare hands um although sometimes people did use gloves and they had like spikes and stuff on them so you could hurt your um, opponent more and in were you going to say something no, just gross. <laughs> <laughs> and in the Roman times, um, it became something more like part of like gladiator culture. It was a sport too. Soldiers used it a lot to train. Um, and when gladiators did it, I mean, it what it was to the death. So the idea was to like kill your opponent. And then when Christianity came through and the Ottoman Empire collapsed, uh, apparently the entertainment 
like it, it stopped being a form of of entertainment mm, and then the story like took off again so this was like 400 ac after common era right ace i've forgotten uh you words. could just do ce is common CE, era that's or, what it is yeah sorry my bad um so it took a really long time like 1200 years to get more history so it started being formally known again in britain in 1681 and then it became super popular it was even held at like theaters and people would start betting on it it was it seemed to be much more like for money and there were like no rules no weight divisions like people would just fought without gloves and like basically seems pretty crazy and it was actually illegal and people still did it obviously <laughs> as it as it happens and then they they started coming up with these rules that we mentioned previously and um like the new rules and the new eras were like brought by really famous fighters who were the ones who started setting the new rules and they were the like the people that were uh recognized champions in England that were starting to bring um you know a lot of these these new rules um and it it be it became really interesting to the English aristocracy and therefore it became like more respectable it used to be more of like a backroom kind of thing if I don't even know how you would say it but like it wasn't it's was a pretty like informal kind of thing but then it started like they created a, an association and they brought like rules um and apparently during the regency there was like a peak in boxing in in England because the champion um in Britain was considered to be the champion of the world and just the US was like on the level of England so it was actually like people from Ireland or England that had brought the sport to the US where people had started fighting and then the part that Sammy mentioned I don't know if you want to if you want to say this part Sammy yeah, which is sure. like, yeah of course go ahead um so one fun part of boxing history is that it's contributed to a lot of idioms in English that we use all the time and I learned all of these today well not learned them I knew them but I learned that they came from boxing um so Sophia mentioned earlier that when the boxer is knocked down they have 10 seconds to get up and what they have to do is go to or what they had to do in ye olden days was go to a line down the middle of the ring and place their feet like right up to it and so that was kind of their version of a concussion check I guess was that whether the person could walk up to the line and place their feet right next to it um and that line was called the scratch line so Phrases like up to scratch, start from scratch, make scratch, all of that comes from boxing. Up to the mark, which I don't think I've heard used, but that is also from boxing. There's also uh, the term draw, referring to a tied score, is from boxing as well. It's because when the match was over, the stakes that held the ropes were drawn out of the ring. And so that's why we use the word draw for a tie. Um, and then also the meaning of the word stakes, when we say like high stakes or playing for high stakes as um, referring to money is from boxing because in early prize fights, they would hang the bag of money on the stakes on the outside of the ring. Oh, and to be against the ropes comes from boxing, which mm -hmm. makes more makes sense. sense. Um, and also a knockout as being somebody who's super attractive which oh okay also could have guessed. <laughs> yeah I think a throw in the towel is also a boxing oh yeah expression. yeah 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 definitely but I did not know about draw or um like stakes I would never have thought yeah that had I like and I scratch know. too I had no idea oh scratch yeah that was yeah same same new to me and scratch also like um it means like like dropping out of a competition too right uh -huh. like i scratched I so. like i didn't purchase yeah. eight so that's probably from that too mm -hmm. and boxing still like 
I mean, those fight, like, I guess MMA maybe is more, I could be wrong about that, but I just feel like those pay-per-view fights get so much, so many people and so much money still to this day. For um, sure. I like don't, I don't feel like any sport is within my consciousness, like, cause I don't pay attention to any of them. I'm an equal opportunity, like ignorer of sports, but <laughs> I do feel like boxing is a little bit further out of my consciousness than like, I don't know. American football or basketball or soccer um maybe that's because it's on pay-per-view and you have to like specifically seek it out but even if that's the case people are seeking it out and spending a lot of money and those the like the people who participate in those fights are like the richest people like the richest at among the richest athletes because uh, the pot is so big so anyway whenever I read about those prizes I'm like always astounded by how much money there is in boxing but <laughs> I think they I'm also very oblivious. They probably also make a lot of money from bets. Like I don't know if they can officially right, right, get right. in on that, but like they probably make money from that too. Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm sure. Like, actually, betting is not legal, obviously, but for them, I mean, as the boxers, but yeah. the pot that gets split out has to like maybe a cut of it. Like in general, like regardless of um who the bet was placed for, maybe like it figures into the ultimate purse i don't uh, yeah but there's just so much money to be made it's crazy but also like many injuries to deal with too so it's not glamorous to me whatsoever (laughs) but all right all right okay excellent So now we're going to move on into our final and favorite section, which is what the fuck, Sultan of Success and Fatma's hit list. So what the fucks? I know, Sophia, you had one on the tip of your tongue. Oh, yeah. Like she's wearing the same outfit for three days in a row. <laughs> I feel like that's a good one. That. <laughs> I don't know. How was it in the olden days? Did people change a lot? Yeah. That's a good question. I have no idea. People people definitely didn't wash like more than once a week. Yeah. So but she's yeah, wearing I certainly the exact wouldn't. same outfit. Yeah, that's true. That's like extra gross. Well, she can't go home because they think she's schizophrenic and they will confine her to her room. <laughs> also, it seems like it's very far. Like she's like driving for hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true too. Um, I have what the fuck to high tea with George by himself. Doesn't he at least have some lackeys who could have tea with him? That's a good one. I don't know. Well, and he also has the whole ballroom to himself. Like, why would they give him Yeah, Yeah, why would he choose to be in that room? I don't know. I feel like I had one. It's like not. There's not a lot of what the fuck's for this episode because it's so... I had one that I like bit my tongue on earlier because I was like, I'll save for the section. Now it's gone. So (laughs) it must not have been that bad. Um, okay, Sultan of Success. Is it Esra? I think it's Halid. Yeah, let's give it to him. Even though he got shot, like he shot. He, he handled a lot though. He, he did. He really handled business this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I like that. I mean, he really was the hero of the episode, even though he yeah. got shot, which wasn't great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fatma's hit list. Is there anybody besides George we would like to put on here? Hmm. Dimitri seems a little disturbing. I was going to say, Dimitri and Osman are like not looking like model citizens either. Yeah. (laughs) But I want to keep, we have to, we have to keep Fatma away from Dimitri for a bit so he can spill his beans on whatever's going on. Osman, I feel like he's just going to if I remember, if I'm like, if my gut is correct uh, and my very poor memory are correct, I feel like he's going to cause more trouble. So we can, <laughs> we can just like assassinate him with the maid from the future. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations to Holly Bay. We certainly hope that you don't die from a gunshot wound in the next episode. 
watch. But also out. there's infinite dimensions. So, you know, who knows? Right. And if you <laughs> die, we hope that we resurrect you by doing some time shenanigans. <laughs> watch out to George, of course, but also to Dimitri and Osman, although Fatima has got a delay on Dimitri until he can spill all the key beans. Thank you all so much for listening. And next time we will be talking about episode six. Thank you.